Welcome to the 24 Stories podcast that aims to educate, inspire and help build brands. I'm your host, Stephen Ryan, founder of 24 Stories, and I'll be joined each week by guests from a variety of industries here to tell you how they built their brands. Welcome to episode 19 of the 24 Stories podcast. This week we're going to talk about the world of retail and I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Gallagher. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Delighted to be here. A lot of people would know the current brand you're kind of running. Uh, you have the franchise for Skechers for Ireland. But what a lot of people mightn't realise is your backstory. So can I go back a bit sure. further with you? Yeah, yeah. Take me back, finish school, what happened? I went to work on the building site first in the, in yeah. the summertime and then yeah. it got cold. So I went indoors and Didn't uh, fancy it. went to work for Duns for a little bit and then ended up working in uh, first business, in the first time in the shoe business. As I was about 17 or 18, I went into uh, a, the company who had Academy Shoes, M Drummy Limited. Oh, yeah. So Drummies were down the key and Robert and James Lyons were very good to me at the time. And uh, and indeed was Mrs. Drummy, uh, or Mrs. Lyons, who was Drummies. Um, so I opened the first box of Echo Shoes that ever came into the country when I was Whoa. working with... Um, was it a fairly company. new? Was it uh, was it a new brand globally, or was it just a, no, uh, the yeah, fact I, it was I new to Ireland? It, Echo hadn't come into Ireland then, yeah, you know. Yeah, and then um, after I was I was there for about a year and a half, two years, and then I I got a job. I was about nineteen as a, a sales rep for Tide Dwyer, which is the kind of door to door delivery service on the Never Never. Yeah, yeah, and okay. uh, knocking up at people's doors at eleven o'clock on a Sunday night, up maybe in Mangerton Close, just trying to get your one pound a week or two pound a week per house, or up in Knockpoke Avenue or I, wherever you might have been. Yeah, because a lot of the, especially the younger listeners listening to this, they don't, they'd never experienced something like that. It was kind of like it's still there. Very is it much still so. there? Is yeah, it yeah. so? You were kind of given items on credit, is That's it? That's correct, Jerry. So basically you paid back like for, you know, 100 euro which or 100 pounds back then, which would have been a phenomenal account. Yeah, yeah. You'd pay back a fiver a week. So basically for 20 quid worth of gear, with 20 quid would have got you a pair of jeans back then, we'd yeah, say easy. Yeah, yeah. You'd pay back a pound a week, you know. Yeah. Like, like I remember it growing up, you know, there was a guy in our road now like, and he'd, he'd pull up in the van once or twice a week and then... Yeah. He'd have you know all the new stuff or whatever and tough going. Yeah, yeah, it was tough going, and he'd yeah. he'd literally go road to road, but yeah. there was no shopping centres. Well, there was, but there not was to the same extent. Little, yeah, and uh, you know if you didn't catch them on a Friday night, you might drop around on a Saturday morning yeah. just to pick it up to sweep it up. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah, great fun, great learning school, uh, yeah. University of Life, and and meet great characters as well. Great like characters, there. tough people, good people, nice people, bad yeah. people. You know, yeah. uh, people try to catch you as well. I'd say, uh, yeah, but like you know, you, you you get the street smarts fairly quick. You know, yeah, yeah. How long did you stay in that business? I stayed in that for about two years, and then I went on and I got a job. Um, with Lee Cooper jeans, and I was twenty one. I remember driving down to to Mam, and she was. We I lived out in the Model Farm Road, and I, yeah. I had a one of the first Sierra brand new Ford Sierras ever came into the country. Oh, lovely! Yeah, flash job, red joke, and uh, at twenty one, at twenty one, and running Lee Cooper jeans for the west of Ireland from Ennis all the way up as far as Dundalk, and. Um, I had to go live in Galway, which was fine, but like yeah, I yeah. did that for a few years, you know. That was great fun too. That, that was a different level of selling, though. You're selling to retailers and big stores, fashion stores, you know. And uh, would that be independent resellers around the country? Independent is retailers all around yeah. the country and uh, department stores and so on and so forth. And then I did that for about two or three years, uh, two and a half years, I'd say. And then I was approached by Lee Jeans to take over the, the as a senior sales agent for Lee Jeans for Ireland. So and like I, a I kind of a, to run their business yeah. in this country, and then but it, they came in and they opened a few outlet stores. Then that disrupted the business. So I was approached by Pepe Jeans then, and they were very strong. By, by who actually is my business partner, a guy called Sunil Shah, and um, so then I took over the agency for Pepe Menswear for Ireland. So we brought, brought Pepe on for a few years, and then I opened Gasoline, the first gasoline store in yeah, Ski Pe- with Martin Murray. Pepe Jeans was, um, I remember that brand as a flashback now to my youth actually. It was huge, wasn't it? So when we opened Gasoline, um, Martin Murray and myself, I had a partner for the first 10 years with uh, Martin, very nice guy. We ended up with like 20% of our business was Levi's and 20% of our business was Pepe and 10% of the business was Wrangler. So you had three brands representing 50% of your business, you know? Yeah. 
But uh, we did a lot of fun stuff with Pepe. Like I remember we got a Harley Davidson and we got this girl, the Pepe model, if you wish, yeah. with a Pepe t-shirt on yeah. and drove it up through the on the stairs of Reds and around the nightclub and Dominic was <laughs> loving it, Lord of Mercy. And then we did something similar in Coco's and uh, sure, loads of, loads of fun stuff. I remember we had a a 1957 pink Cadillac parked on Patrick Street for one afternoon with all sorts of glamour around it and it was great fun, you know. But and we had DJs upstairs yeah. and gasoline. Rock and Jerry would come in and we'd, he used to, we used to have the back of a cut-out Cadillac and he'd sit in the back of the Cadillac and play the, play the tunes, you know. They'd call that experiential marketing, no? But you yeah. probably just thought it was a bit of fun back then. We just did it, like, and went for it and people yeah. talked about it so much, you know. But uh, that whole gasoline thing was a phenomenal success for... For quite a few years, and then uh, closed down the last one about seven years ago, and sold. I sold off the brand. We had a wholesale brand as well, gasoline. Yeah, I developed that many, many years ago, and we were supplying just under a hundred stores all over the country. Yeah, so we'd gasoline T-shirts, you know, sweaters, jeans, belts, everything, and uh, I franchised it out then to a guy called Paul Garvey, and he ran it for me for many years. And in the heel of the hunt, then I sold the brand on to him when I when, I, when we were closing up the last store. The, f- the first store was Merchant's Key, was it? Merchant's Key, and then we had one on Patrick Street, and then I opened another one in Mahon Point. So there was three stores yeah. in total. And like, I think, would it be right in saying at the time, American culture was really, you know, it was becoming Huge. so big here, like, wasn't yeah, yeah, it? With no, like, TV series and stuff like that. And Gasoline was phenomenally successful in its heyday, yeah. And I think we were possibly a little bit ahead of our times too, when we brought in a lot of different brands like yeah. and then we ended up with people like Tommy Hilfiger. We were one of the first people to have Hilfiger jeans. Yeah, we were one of the first people to have Super Dry. One of the first people to have G Star. One of the first people to have all these different brands. You know, uh, and like how were you finding out about these brands? Oh, travel. Up? I used to, we used to travel extensively both to London and to different to the continent for trade shows. Yeah, and Miss Sixty Ladies jeans. I remember we used to sell a phenomenal amount. I remember when Ben Sherman came back out again. Yeah, we had yeah. Ben Sherman and we used to do. Silly money with Ben Sherman shorts. It was incredible. And did you see different types of people wearing different types of clothes? Like, oh, do you know, yeah. was there something? I mean, and, and, and like back in the day, I remember there was a guy from West Cork, fisherman, came in one day and he said, uh, no, this, you know, this is 30 years ago or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, turned around and he said, no, there was a smell off him. And I said to the girl, someone go over and serve that guy, right? Because he yeah. smelled a fish off him. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I'm just after getting engaged. Herself is moving in and she told me to throw out all my clothes. They're crap, right? <laughs> And he ended up spending about twelve hundred pounds with us Which back was in the day. Which is a lot of money. He yeah. got the works, yeah. loads of jeans and shirts and t-shirts, a leather jacket and a couple of pairs of runners and the whole shooting gallery. But it was it was an interesting time. And uh, he rang us a few days later, and uh, he said, um, "I must say that I just rang to thank you. Herself is delighted." <laughs> that was that was the critique. Herself she wasn't is, she wasn't embarrassed anymore to walk down the street. With him. She was happy out. So anyway, <laughs> that's that's a good. That's one. Of, you know, we had a few different people. We had uh, we had some of the, the South African rugby team, nineteen ninety seven, that won the World Cup. They oh, came yeah. into the shop, and Bobby Skinstead and James Dalton, a whole lot of them. We had Princess Stephanie in there. Um, we had uh, loads of sporting and public, you know, over the years. Interesting. The Gallaghers didn't go in there when they came to Cork. That's coming because I remember when Oasis came, they, there was a big. They stopped on Patrick Street. And they went into Roach's stores or something. You know, like mm. you'd often have celebrities like that just randomly appear. Oh, we had lots of them. A lot of people from the music business and stuff like that, and people who might be doing a concert in town, they'd pop yeah, in, and yeah. you know, sporting people would come in, and you know, I remember one day there was a race called off, and um, or a race postponed in Mallow, and. We were out and we were in Merchant's Key at the time. Jesus Christ, the amount of fellas came in looking for 28 waist jeans, short leg. They were all jockeys, so they all came to Merchant's Key shopping for the day. <laughs> you were out in pants for weeks. So in, oh, in that small size. sizes? Yeah, were, yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be quite rare, like. Yeah, and every small shoe in the place wasn't snapped up, you know, that the boys were... Uh, the boys were just having a bit of fun, you know. And what a lot of people probably don't remember as well is that Merchant's Key was thriving back then. Merchants Key was an excellent centre for many, many years. And I think then there was a, the, the, the brand mix they had was of its time. I mean, there was Harmony Men's where we were in there. They, yeah. they were very good. And there was a whole plethora of good on-the-money independence, right? Yeah. And uh, I think, the, first of all, the reason we left Merchants Key after we were there for over 18 years, we left there because our rent practically doubled one year, right? Whoa. And uh, and we were the busiest per square foot in there. Like we were mm. really doing well there, but we just found it in almost impossible to make money. I think our rent went from one hundred and thirty-two grand a year, which was even high, 
to over 200 grand a year. Crazy. So we just left the place and there was a lot of good, good retailers vacated Merchant's Key and then the landlords panicked and they ended up renting it for way less than whatever mm. and they let a lower quality retailer in there if you wish people who weren't as good at their trade I mean yeah. Harmony moved out and a whole lot of other people moved out uh, Kieran Coogan from Swamp he was in there and yeah. he moved out and you know lots of good good retailers yeah. there was an awful lot of very good stores there uh, Laura Ashley were up the front and you had a footwear company I can't remember the name but there was an excellent Thriving at the Core retail. Rocha stores would have been very strong back then as well. It would have been an entity. You know, it would have been a draw and Dunn's were obviously there. And then you had Marks and Spencer's which was which was new to Munster if you wish, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, the whole Merchant's Key was, was very strong. And then, you see, I suppose times moved on and then Mahan Point came on board in 2006. That was phenomenal. Too, and Mahan Point is uh, very successful for us and still is successful for us and... Um, like the parking thing is an issue and I think what make, made Mar- Mahan Point was uh, in fairness to Doreen Allen and um, her daughter-in-law uh, Rachel Rachel yeah. they, they attended the Mahan Market a lot when it was launched right Yeah. and uh, because the Mahan Point shopping centre was a bit slow to take off at the start right mm. people were unsure about what it was about and then Monster rugby team used to train nearby, like Sir Frankie Sheehan and and um, you know Dougie Howlett and Donegal Callaghan and all yeah, that. Yeah. And they started going to the Mahan Market on a Thursday, you know, in between training place sessions, to be and seen getting then. their food. Right. All of a sudden, it became the place to be seen. Mm. And uh, Andreen Allen and Rachel gave it a good kickstart. So and Rupert obviously runs it and still runs it. Uh, did a great job. And uh, so uh, you think that helped actually the retail oh, that, side? There's of it. no doubt that that helped. And even to this day, Thursday is a significant day in Mahan trading wise, particularly the morning, where the yeah. man markets until about what, two or three o'clock. You know? Yeah, yeah. But it was the first, probably. Uh, I remember there was a lot of buzz because the likes of Zara went in there and they weren't in Cork before. And Correct, yeah. You know, uh, different it, fashion brands. Uh, there was a lot of it. Like there was a Hilfiger store there. Best yeah. Men's were came to town. They were the first Best Men's were outside of Dublin. Yeah. You know, we opened up. We had a store there. There was, a, you know, there was a Jack and Jones there. They had a, like they had a lot of specific stores that weren't particularly around the place. The cost and a few others. Yeah. They had lots of different ones at the time. And there's a Hilfiger store downstairs. And, mm. You know. And it's and accessible as well, you see. And free car parking. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and I think free car parking we also have in Wilton. But when you take in the cost of city centre car parks now, yeah. if someone is there for two or three hours, mm. it's an expensive pottery, you know. Yeah, yeah. It uh, adds up pretty quick, doesn't it? Does, yeah. yeah. Park and ride is fine, but it's not, it's, not, it's not the answer. No, I'm not saying it's not essential or part of yes. the answer. But I think there's a huge amount of thinking outside the box done needs to be done because... In Cork in particular, the public transport system isn't yeah, there. Yeah. It's not fit for purpose. Yeah. And it's not safe in certain places at night. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's true as well, yeah. yeah. And did you see, Paul, did you see the city centre customer change over the years? Yes and no. I um, mean, there's certainly less it's, families now because it's just not user-friendly for families. But w- that wouldn't be just be Cork, right? Yeah. Like with city centre Dublin, we'd have a shop in Henry Street and city centre Waterford, you know... Uh, the city centre Galway our kids sales would be lower a lower percentage than they would in a shopping centre okay. because people don't bring buggies into high streets yes because it because of the elements because we live in Ireland because of safety because of parking because of mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's an arduous task bringing yeah. your family in on a wet day into yeah. town whereas it's much easier you can park in the underground car park in Mahan Point and walk in and you're dry going in you're dry coming out and the kids are safe you know or Liffey Valley yeah. or wherever Dundrum or wherever in Dublin yeah. and would it also be a case where the population in what we call the traditional city you know like walking distance to town as they'd say has got older and that all their kids have have moved out to the outside like, yeah no I think that there's still quite a lot of like um, you know younger people living near the town but I do think that like with Retail Excellence we had a delegation that came down here to meet and in fairness Anna de Harty was very good organising it in the Cork City Council yeah um, Cork City Hall I should say um, we met the councillors and we met our board of management and uh, we had um, 
Duncan Graham who's head of retail excellence and myself and a guy called Matthew Brown who's a future retail a retail futurist from the UK who's seen what's happened in the UK who's seen the decay of city centres yeah. and his point is that city centres need to start acting like shopping centres and shopping centres need to start acting like city centres if they want to coexist right yeah, yeah. there needs to be a transient of both and we had about 40, 50 retailers attend a seminar later on that afternoon in, mm. uh, in one of the hotels here uh, and there was very interesting feedback into the the whole accommodation thing. And one of the things that I'm I'm a strong advocate of, and was indeed was pushing Minister Damien English was with us that day as well. But yeah. uh, I, I, as a minister, whatever others private life, as a minister, he was very supportive of retail, and we were okay. very grateful of. Yeah, you know, we think living overhead the stores, living yeah. overhead in city centres is a huge problem in Ireland. We reckon that in central Dublin there's about 40-50,000 units can be snapped up immediately if the government changed the fire eggs, right? Now you say change the fire eggs and the fire officer and everyone panics, right? Yeah. But if you look at all over Europe, like we've we met with councillors from Amsterdam and different in Copenhagen and stuff, they have living overhead yeah. all over these cities. And why here? What was the problem the, here? The thing here is that they're looking for extra special fire regulations that it has to be you know, such and such a width of corridor, such and such whatever, and so many fire corridors and lobbies. Now, all these people in Denmark and Holland and all the Scandinavia, Germany, they have people living overhead. I think we need to get this right. So I'm going to say anywhere that this has happened, where there's been a regeneration of inner city, Mm. The city becomes a more vibrant place mm. because there's more people are around. It becomes a safer place, yeah. and it becomes more character and a better place to live. And families go back in. It becomes cheaper because there's more accommodation becoming available. Yeah, right. And the secret to this is, if they were given, we'll say, per apartment overhead, if they were given fifteen or twenty grand of a tax break to each landlord. Yeah, right. He renovates the apartment for fifteen grand or twenty grand. You know, just doing yeah, light renovations. Yeah. And he gets tax free on that for the first twenty grand rent. Just invest into yeah. ref- refurbishing it or whatever. Yeah, right. And can you imagine the vibrancy? And if you go walk down Oliver Plunkett Street or Cook Street or any of these side streets, and the amount of vacant properties—North Main Street, South Main Street, Barrick Street—yeah, right. Yeah. Look at the amount of vacant, horrible buildings that are there, or the amount of buildings that have a nice little shop front and nothing overhead. Yeah, yeah. It's an opportunity. Yeah. To bring Cork back to, to where, where it, it was be. as well, isn't and it, it could be done, yeah. replicated in Dublin and Galway and Limerick and everywhere. Yeah, because it is. And I'm not advocating yeah. recklessness with the fire rigs. Obviously, I'm advocating yeah. following copy and paste yeah. that's been done all over Europe. Yeah, but we seem, for some reason, stuck back in the 1990s. And it solves a couple of problems. I mean, it solves obviously the the, the big one that we have in the country at the moment in terms of lack of accommodation is one big major one. And but the other thing is. The city centres are dying. Well, the city centres are also getting dangerous. I mean, look at Dublin at the moment. It's yeah. it's um, oh, we have a store on O'Connell Street, and it's um, it, at times it's 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 not safe to go down there for the know? staff, for anybody. Yeah, right. Um, they're openly dealing drugs on the street. Uh, I was on with Fergal Keane and RT One there pre Christmas. There's a huge amount of antisocial behaviour that's going above and beyond. And by having a vibrant, living, functioning city centre, yeah. that eliminates a lot of the antisocial behaviour because it's too public. Yes, yeah. Some of that actually came to light actually during COVID times when the places were shut yeah. down, that there was kind of, you know, in certain parts, un, you know, unsavoury characters emerging, you of know, course. because there was no one around. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and then if you had a way, you know... Uh, a well-trained uh, and efficient Gardaí force then on the ground, community yeah. policing and, and, and being there as prevention rather than cure, yeah. I, I think we'd be a much better country to live in. So, going back, you left Merchants Key, you went into Man Point, but when did the whole Skechers thing come about? Uh, 12 years ago. So you were still doing gasoline at the I time? I was still doing gasoline concurrently until uh, 2016. I, we opened Skechers. I was they were going, running concurrently for six years. We opened yeah. Skechers two thousand and ten. And like, how did it come about? Like, okay, we, so did they I, knock on your door? Did you knock yeah, on no, door? No, they knocked on our door. Um, so I was registered with the American Embassy. Yeah. Uh, as a potential client for anything that was coming in fashion, fashion wise into yeah. into Ireland, and so was my business partner Sunil Shah. Um, 
at the time he was involved with Tommy Hilfiger yeah. and he was also still had the Pepe thing and I was working as a retail consultant for them from time to time yeah. apart from having the gasoline thing because the, it, he was more wholesale based and I was retail based Yeah. so um, and I was up in his office one evening in Dublin and I said I've been contacted by uh, American Embassy would I be interested in you know chasing up the Skechers yeah franchise and he said so have I sure I said why don't we do it together and off we did and we met the Skechers people that November did you go to the States to meet no them? they flew in they did they interviewed four or five different Irish entities that were okay. interested one or two of them were large sports change based in Ireland who I won't mention but yeah and uh, ourselves and uh, we were the last people to be interviewed and they interviewed us and they said we like, we like you guys this is November by the 2nd of December, we were in New York at a trade show, uh, putting a pitch to the whole Skechers board. And then they came to visit us in January to see our backup, our operations, where we were and what we did and who we were. And did you have to use your existing division of gasoline? To, well, you know, there was gasoline and he had his Hilfiger wholesale. So they had to visit all that. They visited everything. Yeah. And then I had to go over for... March actually mm. uh, in March 2010 I had to go over and spend a week mm. being grilled in LA yeah. in the various departments to see where we were compatible to take on as a partner and we were the first franchise partner signed in Europe At that time the economy was on a downward trend It was, it was bad yeah and we opened in Henry Street in uh, October 2010. Yeah. Were they, not, were they not fearful of coming into the Irish market after the crash? Well, I don't know. I mean, I suppose they thought it, saw it as a, a good size market to dip their toe in the water. They already had a significant wholesale business here, mind you, right? They were selling to independent re- resellers, okay. right? They had a significant wholesale business here. And then we took over the franchise. In the first year, year and a half, we didn't make any money. And we were kind of wondering where we're going along. We are trying to find out how it worked and... Yeah. And then we got the hang of it and we opened Merchants Key, we opened Man Point, we opened Liffey Valley, we opened Dundrum and all of a sudden we were on a roll. Yeah. And um, in 2007 and 2015, I think, or can't or 13, we won World Franchise of the Year twice. World Franchise of the Year? Yeah. And like what's involved in that? Just being the best, most efficiently franchise partner they have in the world. So it's their awards. Yeah. Skechers Award. And like how many countries are they in? The world. Everywhere. Uh, everywhere. Uh, practically everywhere. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're now gone. When we joined them in 2010, they were turning over 1.8 billion. Yeah. They're now turning 7.6 billion and heading to 10 billion in the next three to four years. Yeah. They're only behind Adidas and Nike now. They're in terms of footwear. In terms of footwear. They're light years ahead of anyone else. And they've carved a niche kind of in terms of that protecting your feet is kind of their big thing, isn't well, it? Well, comfort is king. Comfort, yeah. They, like, so what they do is they make, like, we're not high fashion. We don't frighten anybody. Yeah. Uh, although they're very, you know, quite, they're nice shoes to look at and they're very functional and very mm. comfortable. But we're not in the high fashion business. We're not in the high fashion prices either. Yeah. So our prices are affordable. We appeal to a whole lot of markets from kids right up to the elderly yeah. arch fit and support and all that type of thing we have kids shoes with all the dancing lights and all that yeah. we have workwear we have trekking shoes we have hiking shoes we have you know the nurses we send a phenomenal amount of shoes to nurses we send a lot of shoes to people in the service industry yeah. right and uh, we sell an awful lot of workwear like Skechers workwear in the States is the number one workwear brand so oh. we do a huge amount of that and we do an incredible amount of walking shoes as well as having yeah. athletic runners as well and everything else. And with people becoming more health conscious, uh, conscious in this country in particular, yeah. walking has become a big thing, hasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I take great pride in any ring road in Ireland, if you're in or Bishopstone or anywhere, you have all these walking routes and yeah. I'm driving along in the car and I'd be watching what they're wearing and there's a big, big representation of sketches there, I can tell you. And it makes us kind of proud, you know, it's just something that we're we're, we're happy to be associated with. But as a franchise, like, are you very much like they tell you what to do or like, how does that work? No, I mean, we have a, an advertising budget and we also have a, a, commu- a CSR budget here, right? Yeah. So for the last few years, we have probably in the last eight to 10 years given, I'd say, the guts of somewhere between 150 and 200,000 to the Mary Keating Foundation. Whoa. We never tell anybody about any of this. We support... Uh, a lot of local charities, not hugely to the extent that the Mary Keating will know, but um, yeah. 
like we would support Penny Dinners we support Coonley House we support a whole lot of other ones local Cork ones yeah. and we support them uh, annually right yeah, yeah. Um, St Vincent de Paul and uh, Childline and and, 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 and and a list of others and we're very proud to do that but the reason we don't sing and dance about it is because we do it for the right reasons the reason we say we do go public with the Mary Keating Foundation is because they ask us to go public because the more publicity they get the it's, more money there is yeah it's good for them as well like yeah, yeah. And in terms of like, they're a strong marketing brand. Yeah. You know, those campaigns, like you'd see them on TV, radio, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. on social. Are you looking after all that as no, well? No, no, they do that. But we also, we, some of it's done in a joint venture with us. Some of mm-hmm. it's done by themselves. Mm-hmm. And then we do like the stuff with Jimmy Redknapp and all that. That's done from Skechers um, HQ. But we do, um, we do our own, a lot of the advertising you might see or hear. Yeah. We did the Cork Opera House this year. We, did, we sponsored the Pantomime. And we had an incredible yeah. bit of fun with that, you know. So what uh, did you do around that then? So we had uh, we had all sorts of podcasts and we had it up on uh, social media. And yeah. We had it in newspaper print, but it was in conjunction with the Irish Examiner involved yeah. as well. And we had, you know, we did a whole lot of stuff with that and just uh, seeing the kids and the laugh the kids got. And, you know, we had the whole uh, opera house plastered in sketchers. Yeah. Paraphernalia. But that's a great way to, like, as you said to yourself. We're a family brand, so it it gels, but it also gels with our DNA. It's like giving a little bit back to the community, you know. Yeah, but you get it in return then as well, which is great. Everyone's a winner. We don't, we're going to do it anyway, you know. So, uh, and then we sponsored a a rugby podcast there with um, Donald Lenehan and Ron Nagara there, start of the Six Nations. And, you know, we sponsored Schoolboys League and soccer in Ireland. From under 12 to under 16 for eight years in a row, we sponsored all the national cups. Whoa. Right? It was over 100,000 kids per annum yeah. participated in our soccer programme. Yeah. We never blew up about that and we never went wild telling people about it because yeah. we did it because we did it to give back to the community, not to take from the community, even though I suppose we probably got a bit of business out of it down the road, but that's that wasn't the primary focus. But that's a great ethos Skechers have as a brand, isn't it? To make sure that you're doing CSR as yeah. well and, and giving you permission to go and work with yeah. whoever you want to. Yeah, I know. We've sponsored Laurel in uh, one as well, which is a very special place in Dublin, you know. Yeah, yeah. And... Like, so, like, what are you? You're at 20 odd stores at this stage now? 24 now this year. 24 stores across the whole country? Yeah, we've six in the north and we'll have 18 in the south when Dundrum opens this year. We've over 300 staff. Whoa. We've 16 in our head office in Little Island. We have uh, our shoes come into the stores. There's about 1.4 million pairs of shoes stocked in Belgium in the Central European warehouse. So they, we get deliveries in every week. And like, like, as a matter of interest, how many shoes would you sell a week? Like, yeah. Okay, well, I, I, I'll make it easy if I tell you units. Yeah. When I, when I say units, I mean shoes, shoe care, socks, you know, accessories. Yeah, yeah. We'd be looking for half a million pieces a year. A year, yeah. Mm. That's a lot of feet around the country. Like, yeah. Obviously, some people would buy two, three, four, More, yeah. and one, one person might only get one for yeah, about yeah. two or three years, you know, the way some people are. Like, yeah. yeah. And are you doing, like, in terms of then, when you're promoting, are you promoting the whole brand? Or are you doing each individual store? Are you kind of giving autonomy to, no, let's I say, Dundrum or whoever? Like obviously, because it's a seven, eight billion dollar company, you can't just do, do what, what you your want. version of Skechers is, yeah. right? You have to do it in conjunction with them or you have to get some kind of an approval. Mm. You can't just go ad hoc. Now, in fairness, they, they've been more flexible of late, but there are certainly things we can and we can't do, you know, yeah. but like... Yeah. They, they supply a whole plethora of different images or different sections. And like what we might uh, fo- focus on promoting here mm. certainly may not be like they might in a, in a, in America, they might have like an ex-American pro footballer as their guy for the men's, yeah. right? Whereas we'd want Jamie Redknapp. Sure, nobody knows who the American guy is, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the league of your own thing was a uh, was a was a big part of that because he's kind of it brought him. I know he's you know whatever he played for Liverpool and different yeah, teams, but yeah. like the league of their own made him just kind of a fun kind of a fella, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think his profile too is he seems from what I can gather from the Skechers guy who's, who deal with him to be a nice guy, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, and he appeals to probably different demographics yeah. as well, does he? Yeah, and then we, they've got Mylene Cast now as well, I think. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. And then on the golfers, they hit really lucky. Like they have had, uh, you know, we had Matt Coocher and we had different one. Colin Montgomery's been with us, but we got Matt Fitzpatrick's only last year. Whoa! Two months before he won the Open, 
Pretty which awesome. was massive, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So and he's still going around with a Skechers cap and Skechers shoes, and he was in a Dare Manor there, the JP McManus thing. I was at it there last year, and he's head to toe and is wearing the Skechers. And was he signed into a contract so before he he yeah, won yeah, all yeah. of that? Yeah, but a contract, yeah, <laughs> hadn't him down as a major. Winner, I know, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I, I I actually saw the episode there where. He seems a very down to work guy. Great actually. guy, apparently, um, yeah. And gent yeah. to deal with, like, yeah. I saw him on that um, the new show on Netflix, anyway, that yeah. features all the golfers, but they kind of showed him as the kind of underdog. Yeah. And with all his pals and his family back home in the UK, right. I think he's from Sheffield. So yeah, he seems to be just grounded, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Decent so, guy, you know. So just luck in, in those type yeah, of yeah. things as well. There is. And do you have any kind of Irish brand ambassador then? Um. At the moment, no. We did some stuff with Pip O'Connor there over mm. for about two or three years, but like that, everything runs its course. Uh, we're with, we operate with um, Mark Hopkins from Hopkins Communications, so we're actively yeah. looking at a few other things, and we're also in, in discussions with a guy called Trevor Twamley. He's got the Sports and Doors company. Yes, yes, so I come across Trevor, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we did stuff with Derville O'Rourke before as well, and... Uh, you know, various different ones. So Derville's a lovely person to deal with. And at the moment, we're sponsoring... Last year, we sponsored the Cork Camogie team. And okay. they got to the All-Ireland final. And they did a few shop appearances for us and everything. Lovely girls. And we, in ladies' football, we were lucky enough to sponsor the Mead footballers. And okay, we opened yeah. the shop in Navin and they were very... Uh, generous with their time they yeah. came in in groups of four or five yeah, yeah. the first group of four or five stay for an hour or two and sign autographs and the second group of four or five would come in so they were in there for half the day you know and just and t- posing for photographs and signing autographs after winning an all Ireland, that was a nice touch Brilliant Does that kind of thing still work so you know the, the store appearances that was always a huge well, thing long goal wasn't it Whether it works or not I don't think it does any harm Yeah, yeah. Right? We got a lot of social media out of it Yes. We got a lot of coverage because they're all all these girls are flaking on their yeah. you know whatever uh, Instagram or TikTok Instagram or whatever or TikTok yeah because I'm with you know yeah yeah because Longo was a kind of a way to bring in yeah. people get sales yeah. no it probably serves a different purpose to get it does, a yeah, brand awareness it, it might get you sales but in a different way you know or in a, at a later date like you know young one with Vicky Wall getting her her you know footballer of the year getting. Yeah. Her t-shirt signed shirt like that young one goes into school on Monday like she thinks she, like her her week is made you know yeah. in in many ways then your customers end up then being like mar- an extended marketing team because yeah. they're saying I'm down in Skechers today looking look who I met yeah. or you know but we're looking even more so to, to try and uh, create a culture as well like because staff retention and staff uh, full stop is, is, is a challenging thing across the country because mm. like, we spoke earlier about for lots of different reasons and awful and, and loads of other reasons as well. Yeah. I could be here. I, I, I won't go into that in too much detail because yeah. it'll take too long. But, um, you know, we're, so we're looking at staff retention, getting staff engagement. We have a care program now, whereas we have, you know, providing free things like uh, access to, you know, mindfulness and, and okay. meditation yeah. and all this different stuff and discounts and God knows what, right? And, to let people know that we're there and this whole culture, caring, working environment, work-life balance, you know, encouraging people to, you know, take part in walking and outdoor sports and do things. That's um, that's the way forward, I think, you know. Yeah, and like, I suppose retail was always, again, a bit like the hotel sector, a bit like restaurants. It was kind of a stopgap, was it? Was it seen as it a stopgap? It was, but it's become a, it's become a career now because, like, we have people now who came into us as sales assistants, and now they're district managers or training yeah. managers. Yeah. They're driving company cars. They're you know, so they can see progression. Yeah, there's and a path to progression, and we've we have brought in a whole path to progression now. So our path to progression program is from sales assistant to supervisor to key holder, assistant manager. Yeah. Training manager, manager. Then we have depart. You know. Then we have district managers, and then we have area managers. We have buyers. We have marketing. You know, all yeah. the ecom, and you so there's a whole different amount of avenues that people can transition into through through this. You know. And would you have people who who came in on a part time job and ended up working full time and building a career oh, for absolutely. themselves? Absolutely, and people who just are there now. You know, yeah. and Like we have a so like we'd have one, two, three six or seven people out there with company cars now and yeah. you know different doing different jobs and different things, you know. but it's it's great to see that like in a you know 300 employees mm. that there is a chance to move up the ladder but it can yeah and I mean as we grow we're looking at a few different things now 
uh, we're looking at different franchises and different opportunities. We're not just staying with Skechers. Um, so we operate the ASIC store in O'Connell Street as well in Dublin. And uh, we're looking at other different opportunities with different brands. There's a few things we have in the pipeline that may or may not happen. But, you know, we're not standing still. Uh, and we'll still open another... We'll definitely open another Skechers store this year. We may open another two. And we'll then we'll do another few again next year. Yeah. Are you not afraid that, you know, you mentioned the word e-com there. You're not afraid of the e-commerce world? I think the e-commerce world has a place in business and it's absolutely, uh, you know, very important and particularly in, in COVID. But retail excellence would uh, would probably, our information would suggest that, you know, at Christmas or since Christmas that the e-com appetite has, has subsided a little okay. bit. And bricks and mortar have certainly had a very strong Christmas and have been stronger pro rata than e-com since then because... I think people were locked up for all practically two years and now they yeah. want to go out and see it, feel it and in some cases even steal it as Ben Dunn used to say. Right? <laughs> they want to see it, yeah. feel it and steal it but even to see it and feel it I think is important. You know, in footwear business for instance if you're one different brand you could be an eight and a half, a nine, nine and a half so you don't know what particularly your size yeah, is. So is it wide fitting? Is it tight fitting? And then jeans are another thing that I have a history and then Jeans are funny, you know. I mean, one brand of jeans are completely different than another brand of jeans. Mm. They might be tight in the leg or, you know, wherever else. Yeah. And some of them fit you, some of them don't. Some of you, then you go look at the fabric and you go, no, I don't like the feel of that, you know. You can't see the feel of a fabric on a computer screen, you know. Yeah. You can't get the texture of the shoe on yeah. a computer screen. You can have an idea what it looks like. But, um, yeah, there's certainly a place for e-com and e-com will only grow. But uh, I think bricks and mortar has made, even in the UK and America, has made a resilient bounce back people want to talk to people you know yeah and there's it's kind of like part of a day out even isn't it like you know people like to get out of the house kind of do a bit of shopping maybe yeah. getting something to eat have or lunch of a coffee yeah. and, and there's a social interaction where it's like it's the same as like uh, you know a lot of the workplace people are now back more or less full time in the workplace yeah and they're happier. Now, obviously, it says some of them are coming back because the heating bills at home are gone too high. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, that, that that may or may not be, but that'll only be short term anyway. Sure, another two months will be in spring, yeah. you know. Yeah. But um, I think the interaction, I mean, I was in our, uh, down in the office there at lunchtime and uh, the lads are having coffee and having a chat and what are they doing for the weekend? What did you do last weekend? What's on? Yeah. What's this? One of the lads is two of the lads are Liverpool supporters, of course. They're they're all saying everyone should be drinking seven up, oh and God, like they're yeah. having great fun, yeah. and, you know. Um, so yeah, and then the United supporters are hiding down the back, you know. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's that culture, and there's that kind of fun, and that happens in yeah. in the shops as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, and every Friday morning we have a thing, and now this is not PC, and it's not put anywhere yeah, near to yeah, be right. Yeah. So we call it Fat Friday. We get in. We could send yeah. someone to the to the local Dunn Fitzpatrick's and we bring in scones and buns or yeah. whatever they want and that's what we call it and we have it every day. And have a splurge on the Friday. Every, every, half ten on a Friday we call it. She know. could always go for a walk then with the, with the yeah, shoes afterwards. Fine. But it's uh, and, 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 and that creates great banter. Everyone in the office sits down at the same time and yeah. we, have, we have a kind of an open plan area where we all just sit around and, and, and just chill, you know. Yeah, like, you know, with a staff of 300 how do you manage that type of scenario you, 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 would you know most of them or yeah you know I, 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 in the busier stores the stores that I visit more often I would know a significant amount of them yeah. the quieter stores like well let's say the Abbey Centre in North North Belfast I wouldn't know that many because I'm not up there that often yeah. Right? Yeah. Donegal Place in Belfast I'd know a few uh, you know Newry I'd know a few Dublin I'd know a good few of them Cork I'd know a good few Galway wouldn't know that many because I don't go to Galway that often yeah, you know yeah. and then Kilkenny maybe I wouldn't know that many of them but you can know them all but that's what we have district managers for you know yeah and they report back to you then yeah, yeah. No. but you know like as you move forward then you know are you looking like are you looking after the e-commerce as well or do Skechers look after that no Skechers have their own e-commerce platform but we have a platform that we're launching called Life and Soul which will have Skechers on it, right? And it will have a few other different brands plus some apparel clothing as well, Skechers oh. clothing and one or two other brands. Um, that'll be launched probably, in, that'll be launched in about two months' time. And um, that's going to be quite interesting because we have 300,000 people on our loyalty car programme, which is phenomenal. 
So how like how does the loyalty card program work? Okay. Then it's like uh, well, it's kind of like if it's operated now in our Sketcher stores, but the, the company that we own, my, Sunil and myself, uh, is a co- company called Shoes for You, which yeah. is our shoes group, and Shoes Group own the Sketcher stores in Ireland. Yeah, and the loyalty card people that we've accumulated over the last twelve years are all shoes customers. Okay. Right. Yeah. So they're signed up to the Shoes for You loyalty card program. Yeah. So when we bring in different arenas to sell to them such as the ASIC store in Dublin well we didn't bring that in now because okay. that might be a bit close that's a bit you know, too but close like, to home yeah, we, yeah. we will do a multi-brand store now with um, with different brands that we're accumulating that'll be com- you know brands that would sit and be good adjacencies for to sit beside Skechers okay right yeah um be a bit like what you did with gasoline back in the yeah. day so and yeah and we'll have a couple of apparel brands then like doing uh, so obviously we'll have sketchers like sketchers do jog bottoms and you know these like the yoga yeah. pants for women yeah. and all that type of stuff and golf t-shirts and all that so that was sketchers and we've two other brands coming on board as well and um, so what we're there it's life and soul is really a lifestyle so we're just the average guy and the average girl the mom who does the school run on a, on a Thursday we'll yeah. have shoes for her we'll have leggings for her we'll have a tracksuit for her we'll have a jumper for her you know and the the, the husband who's just hanging out at the weekends or the boyfriend or whoever we'll have you know shorts or a tracksuit for him we'll have a golf t-shirt from a pair of shoes from you know we'll have workout gear for them you know yeah. so it's life and soul it's just basically a lifestyle part uh, uh, which will be opening in April Kind of big, um, big focus on leisure. So yeah, kind of big what they focus do, yeah. on lifestyle and what people wear as they're going along. You know, like the the hard shoe, the old he- heavy leather business shoe since COVID has gone, has has taken a significant step back. You know, mm. because like even like I rocked in here today with a blazer and a, you know yeah. whatever, but a pair of white runners on. You yeah. know, and, yeah, and and that's commonplace. Even down the mall, I was coming in while ago, there were plenty of fellas doing that. You know, yeah, yeah, and and that is the thing. I suppose fashion trends have really changed over the years haven't they they have and I think people are a lot more confident now I think Irish people are way more confident than they would, than they would have been back in the day I mean back in the day I remember a fella got a check shirt or a bright shirt he went into the pub and the lads had ripped the yeah, you know yeah, out yeah, of them yeah. right whereas now like, they, they could wear what care. they want really they don't care yeah, you know yeah. and if you did say to a young fella no he'd only laugh at you, you know? yeah yeah so whereas back then he managed to get he'd go red like and he'd be getting all yeah. embarrassed and all. So the the culture has changed, which is yeah. which is brilliant because everyone can kind of be expressive of their own character or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, I I think too that there's a, I, I'm huge into mindfulness and all this meditation, and I'm huge into how what people, you know, the perceptions are a perception is reality. You know, I mean, I think there's great independence, and I'd say this to any young person out there, right, that, you know. Don't be worried about what people think about you because 90% of the time, Harvard University have proven, 90% of the time, people think about themselves. Where am I going? What's next? Where yeah. am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to drink? What's on the weekend? What's the match? Who's playing? 90% of the time, me, 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 me. So 10% of their total life, they're thinking about something else and you may or may not be included in that, right? Yeah. So the f- absolute freedom and independence you get from not taking too much notice of what people think about you is, incre- is an incredible tool to bring through your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because kindness is a strength. Yeah. And they got to remember this. Like, kindness is a strength that's so underrated, it's unreal. Um, now, you don't have to be nice to them because they are. You're nice to them because you are. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it, it's it's bang on. Like, and I, you'd, I'd actually forget about that, the fact that 90% of the time, yeah, most people will be thinking about them. Yeah. Because so, if so many yeah, things went on their no, life. I, and I'm not saying be selfish, but put yourself first. Learn to love yourself mm. and, you know, and be kind to everyone around you because it's contagious. Yeah. And, you know, For, that's, yeah. that's probably why retail is so big as well because we get to see each other, we get to meet each other. Uh, you know, people you know. are people, you know, and I think, like, there's an awful lot of, uh, unfortunately, with TikTok and Twitter and all the social media, there's an awful lot of uh, of pretentiousness associated mm. with that, right? Mm. And we all know that an awful lot of it isn't true or is manufactured. Yeah. You see a fella rocking up in a Ferrari or something. He's he's after har- borrowing four hundred dollars to to hire it for the day, yeah. and he hasn't a bean left, you know, or yeah. you know yeah. this type of thing. So 
and he parks outside this mega mansion and what they don't show you is two minutes later he got hunted by security you know <laughs> yeah 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 there, yeah and like that whole influencer war because that's very fashion dominated as well have you ever experimented with yeah our- well like I did say like we, we spent a lot of money well we spent a, a relative amount of money with with Pippa O'Connor yeah and I, I know Brian Ormond her husband quite well um, so and I know Pippa reasonably well and, and, and uh, she's a nice girl and we did a nice bit of work with them over two or three years but if she was doing anything for us right yeah as in putting up a shoe up there Decton as I said is our uh, commercial director head buyer uh, I, I would suggest to Decton that we don't give her a shoe that we've less than 2,000 pieces of whoa boom it's like lightning it has that much of an impact that was back in the day now that was about 5 or 6 years because ago she was one of the first doing it as well yeah, and though, she was she? also got to be one of the biggest she's probably still one of the biggest or most well known but back then this was at in the prime yeah. of it and it was incredible you know is there too many of them now is that a challenge? I, I, I couldn't tell you. I, there's a lot of them out there now. And then uh, there's a lot of them out there and I don't know how good their stories are to tell, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there'll be a few of them. I think herself and probably Suzanne Jackson are, are probably two of the most successful ones. Yeah. But how many of them have came and gone? Are, yeah. you know? And I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. We'll know in another five years what the lifespan of a lot of them are, you know. Mm. And some of them end up setting up their own businesses. And some of them do quite well. Yeah. And then some of them disappear into the sunset. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it, it's not an area I, I have a great interest in, to be honest. Mm. But uh, we did engage with some of them and some people did work, you know. And there was another one, I can't remember now, that we did something with as well. And she was quite good, you know. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting to hear that it did have an impact because mm-hmm. sometimes... You know, yeah. the old thing, you know, 50% of my marketing works, 50% doesn't. Yeah. Just knowing which one. But yeah, yeah, but in that case, it yeah, did no, work for a while. And they were very good for a while and she helped us develop a customer probably in our ladies that we may or may not have had before. Yeah. But like, uh, obviously you got to relate that, you know, uh, social media, e-com, you know, all this stuff is is interesting because in Ireland like 50% of the population is under 37 years old mm. right so we've the one of the youngest populations in Europe yeah so it all depends which sector you're selling to but if you're selling to the younger sector or you know you need yeah. to be on this you know and you're on board ends of that you were on yeah. we're on board ends of it but we're rec- we you know we're we uh, you know we're in middle market and and, and yeah. what we do is what we do so the, the new Life and Soul brand then, that'll be pitched to an older audience, will it? Uh, our, our customer wouldn't be like the 18 to 25 customer, right? Yeah. Our customer is slightly be older. So we'd a bit be, more settled? We, we'd be sitting, we'd be put, pitching this as a settled, but a lifestyle thing, you know, mm. because the 18 to 25 year olds, there's an awful lot of people playing in there, right? Yeah, and, the uh, big global brands as yeah, well. And, yeah. and uh, like, you know, there's not many bigger than Skechers, but it's we play a little bit in there, but not as much as some of the other ones do. There'll be brands that'll be a lot younger than us, Right. But uh, we we play at our level and we play at about four different levels age-wise, right? Yeah. And our demographic target would be in the middle and also younger again because in the kids up to about 12 to 14 years of age were extremely strong. We'd be a market leader in that part of it as well. Yeah, so... You were competing with the likes of traditionally Clarks would have had that dominated yeah, that yeah, kind well, of school I mean, shoe type of market yeah. and you've kind of gone into that space now. Yeah, yeah, well I mean they would have had 30 something stores at one stage I think they have about five now you know oh. so like uh, it's certainly their brand their footwear is now they're on the way back but I think they're they're um, they certainly would have taken a step backward from the dominance yeah. that they would have had but again Levi's would have like back in the, you go back all those years ago Levi's would have won the market Clarks would have won the market and and so on. It goes through periods, you know, doesn't it? You know, yeah. Rangda would have been huge and Ben Sherman shorts were huge, but they all, it's all transitional, you know, and a lot of them get a chance to come around again, you know. And some, some brands come and go. Like some and Clarks Amer- look interesting now, but yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it remains to be seen. And some of the American brands have come into the market and then they've walked away mm-hmm. again to likes of Abercrombie and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. like, you know, yeah. I suppose the Irish market is a small market too. Yeah, and the Irish market is a very, you know, it's an interesting market with the demographic that I just told you, but it's a very, we have a high standard of education in Ireland, so the, it, it's an interesting market in that you have a young, English-speaking, well-educated market. Mm. So it's very interesting for international companies to come in and try the stuff for Europe here. Good testing ground, so... Mm. Yeah. It's competitive, you know, maybe yeah. not as competitive as the UK, because the UK is horrendously competitive, you know. Yeah. But we're certainly up there, you know. 
And like, where do you see the future of retail? In particular, like, I look at, you know, the cities like Cork, like, you know, I know we spoke about it where like, oh, in terms of sorting out the kind of anti-social issues, but in terms of, is there any innovative uses oh, of retail? Oh yeah, 100%. I think what, what happens now is, I think, you know, a lot of the landlords now are beginning to come a bit more realistic. I think there was a rental spike there as well mm-hmm. for a little bit. I think this is levelling down now a little bit. And I think that what long-term for the likes of say Oliver Plunkett Street or these side streets or what's going to work there I'd love to see craft shops you know more the, you know, people say like how many more coffee shops can you have when people stop buying coffee right yeah, yeah. because if you look at the likes of, I mentioned Amsterdam and I'm not talking about the wacky backy shops if you go all across Europe I'm just back from Rome is there to match at the weekend there's coffee shops every couple of metres, yeah, right? It's a Are culture. they busy? Mm. They're busy. It's a culture. And it's better than... Ha- I, I, I think it's, I'd rather see them in there than have them in the pub at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's a lifestyle culture that people want to go out and talk to people, right? Yeah. And I'd love to see craft shops, bakers, you know, confectionery and, and doing all the little arts and crafts or God knows what. I think there's an amazing opportunity for indigenous creative people, yeah. Right. Uh, providing we can get some kind of uh, they need support uh, I'd say Paul do they maybe support but I think like even rate support or rental support from the government startup support Mm. but it could make the place a really interesting city to live in you know yeah yeah because it's a bit like what you said about the success of Maham Point was a lot of it down to the likes of the, the farmers market oh yeah if you had that like I know we have the English market. Well, the English market now needs it, to reva- needs to be revamped because it yeah. needs a new roof and it, like, it yeah. needs right. And uh, I think you know the plans there should be long term. I would put hot food into the English market. A lot mm. of it, you know, like if they're putting in a new roof, they should put in another floor all the way around, yeah. right? And you like could a put food in, court, or something. yeah, and put in a hot food court as well, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of traditional butchers. A few of them have closed down there recently. Yeah. So if you had the I don't think they have the facility to put in, you know, uh, extractors and so yeah, on. Right? Yeah. But if they had a food court in there, like Lisbon now has one quite similar, mm. and they have uh, they have hot food in an awful lot of the places, and it's like uh, I suppose like Marina Market, if you wish, but indoors and in the city centre. And in the city centre, right. that's what you want. You want it in the heart. In the heart, yeah. But I think in making food interesting, making lifestyle choices interesting, all these side streets, if we get that right, and then if you have. You see, even from the landlord's point of view, if they're allowed rental of two properties overhead, they don't have to get mm. so much off the ground floor, right? Yeah. Whereas now the only income they have is the ground floor and they're trying to get a, extract every last shilling out of it, right? Yeah. Whereas uh, I, I think there's huge opportunities for Cork as a city because I think it's got, you know, it's a great place to live. I always like living in Cork. I spend, mm. I divide my week between Cork and Dublin yeah. every week. Uh, but I like living in Cork I think it's a nice size that it's big enough and yet it's a nice size that it's not too big you know yeah and, and there's probably a lot of amenities on the outside of the city there as is, well and you can get out of the city very quickly yeah. in Cork you know yeah so a huge potential from a tourism point of view in that regard yeah, but even with all the IT workers and everything and if, the only thing is when you look at this uh, down past Goal, opposite Goldbergs there all down that quay yeah. right Um that's fine. There's going to be a huge amount of IT and jobs there, right? But where are we going to put them? I think if you had the living overhead, these people, they don't want to be out in 10, 15 kilometres outside town. They yeah, want to they be want in to town. Be, yeah. So if you pass, the, you go down to Oliver Plunk Street, the very bottom on the right-hand side, Bean and Leaf. He's one of the few coffee shops that stay open late. That's right. Past their 7 or 8 o'clock on a Tuesday night or something, Wednesday night. There are a load of, uh, every diverse international Brilliant, yeah. type of person, right? They're on their laptops, they're having their coffee, they don't want to go to pubs, they want to chat, they want to, yeah. you know. Like, there's, if you ask me, what's, where's the future? That's, That's the future. Yeah, that's and he, part of the future. In, in fairness, even I've, I know you know tapas bars, yeah. all these kind of things as well. Starbucks and Mahon Point were doing that for years as well, yeah. where people were meeting, and, and yeah, mm-hmm. the culture has changed. It's moved away from the pub into the cafe, mm-hmm. and retail can can bounce off of that. Yeah. So, a couple of decades in, I'd say. Like you're not finished by any means yet, I'd say, no. Paula. Yeah, no, no. Going to keep blowing away. We'll keep blowing away. We have a few different things now. We have one or two very interesting perspective yeah. things on our plate and we still have, we're still not finished with Skechers I think we have Skechers contract until 2030 and an option probably to renew now over the next few years as well so yeah. we have another seven years of that and we'll open another few stores we still have yeah, quite a few I'd say we could get up to 28, 30 stores in Skechers I'd say oh. by the time we'd be we'd be done you know Um 
I'm sure at that stage then we'll have to review plan B plan B then at that point Paul we finish up the podcast with three questions and the first question I'd have is what tip would you give another business to build now in particular I'm thinking you're the first person I've had on that is running a franchise what tip would you give someone that would want to be thinking about taking over a franchise but to get a franchise anyway, you'll, you'll unfortunately probably need a bit of money to start, right? Okay. So you'll either need a partner or a, you know, a mentor or someone or yeah. a JV uh, because most franchises, there's a, there's a set-up cost, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that would be the, the thing. And uh, research as much as you possibly can because we've made mistakes. We had franchises that didn't work for us, right? Okay. Um, but do as much research as you can and think it through about how it's going to be done. Don't think it like it's a great idea. Who's going to do the great idea? Who yeah. comes in on a Monday and opens and who goes away on a Sunday and closes? What happens between Monday to Sunday? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like if you've got a, we'll say a bakery franchise, it's lovely. Oh God, we sell all lovely sticky buns or donuts. Mm. Who makes them at four o'clock in the morning? Yeah. And who cleans up at seven o'clock at night and washes down the whole place? Like, it's not as straightforward as you might think. You, no. you can't just open up a shop and hope for the best. Yeah. And what happens when Johnny and Mary don't come in on Monday because they're sick? Yeah. Who runs it then? Yeah. Who opens the door? What's plan B? Yeah. So that that's that's the challenge. Plenty of research and come yeah. up with plenty of backup plans. And have you enough money to, to last the first year, you know? Yeah, because you were saying that will go. It takes a year or so to kind yeah. of make way. Yeah. No, maybe not. Some of the stores we just took, they, they, they flew in, but yeah. at the start... But we were learning our way as well and also we were the first franchise that Skechers had in Europe so um, they were a little green on who to deal with. Sometimes we'd ask questions and mm. it would take a few days to, for them to come back because they weren't even sure which department to direct us to, you know. Yeah. But that yeah. was interesting. The second question I have is what tip would you give an individual? Um, so what tip would you give someone wanting to progress up the ladder in retail? Aim as high as you possibly can and then double it. Yeah? Yeah. There's no ceiling? There is no ceiling. Nobody is... I remember Dougie Howlett, the all-black highest try scorer of all time, and I remember training in the gym with Dougie, you know, and uh, I said, How, no, I know that Ireland are world number one at the time, but uh, this has gone back a few years, and uh, I said, Dougie, how come the all-blacks are 90% win rate or something? They're just like 5 million people in the back ass and over. And yeah, yeah, they always win. They're always yeah. winning. It's my story. He says, in Auckland, I think they hadn't been beaten in 20-something years in Auckland. Yeah, and he said they have a sign just as you leave the dressing room. Nobody has the right to beat you, right? Yeah. I think every young person in Ireland should start thinking nobody has the right to beat you because they don't. Yeah, who said they were better than you? Who gave them that right? Yeah, take it away. It's yours. Yeah, you know. And uh, I mean, you look at Ireland now. We're number one in the world. Yeah, yeah. Why? Because nobody has the right to beat you. Yeah, they got to earn that right. And even if they do beat you, it doesn't matter. If you come second in a $10 million company, you're not doing too bad, you know? Yeah, so like, you know, that can be translated yeah. into any, any industry, really. Yeah. So, and if things go bad, don't lower the bar, raise yeah. the standard. Yeah. You must have had setbacks. Oh, yeah. We had Aeropostal, a big company like Abercrombie. We opened their store in Dublin. And uh, what they forgot to tell us is that when they were assigning us the franchise, they were about to go into Chapter 11. Oh God, yeah. So we couldn't get stock and we couldn't operate the store and we lost the fortune on it and we closed down within a year. And we had another setback recently in a multi-brand sneaker store but that's grand. That's life. Get on with it. Dust it off and kind of go again. Dust it off. What's next? Right? Yeah. I remember your man Scott Robertson who's, uh, he'd gone back to rugby with Canterbury Crusaders the most successful team in New Zealand at the moment and he was, he lost seven players one week to the All Blacks. Yeah. Right? And the guy said, what are you going to do? You have another match at the weekend. He said, next man up. Yeah. Right? We're going to play. Next man up. Yeah. Everyone's replaceable. You know, there's nothing, you know, it's not the end of the world, really. No, no. And like, but just, and, and and it's not about me, right? It's not about me. Okay? The important thing is it's not about me. Don't be personal. Right? Yeah. It's business. And do you think a lot of people kind of take it too personal? And that's hundred percent. Yeah. And then they get flogged and they get all flaky with it, and it gets too personal. Yeah. And I've often done it myself, and and more times than I care to mention. But it doesn't matter. It's not about me. Yeah. It's about business. The last question we have is: it's in association with the sponsor of the show, Skillsbase, and we look for the essential skill in any industry. What's the skill you think you need in retail? I think the ability to listen and sell right like yeah. for retail you need to understand what they need 
Yeah. Right? You understand their requirements and tell them what they need, right? Yeah. Not explain the features of what it's got. You need to explain the benefits of what it's got. Okay, yeah, yeah. And what's it going to do for them? Right. I could tell you it's got an ultrasonic soul with super duper hooper and all sorts of things inside it. And you're looking at me like... <laughs> yeah, what's right? that going to do for me? Yeah. But I can say to you, this soul is super comfortable, will help you support your arch foot, arches in your feet, right? Yeah. Will make, be extremely comfortable when you walk. And I think if you're on your feet all day, your feet will thank you when you go home. Yeah. There's an art in it though as well, isn't there? In in good retailers. It's right. like an old craft, isn't it? I think there's an art in life in itself, you know. Yeah. There's an art in everything. Paul, it's been a fascinating conversation. I love your positivity. I can see why you've had so much success over the years. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where the likes of life and soul goes over the next few years and what happens next for Shoes For You. Um, so thanks a million for coming in. My pleasure. That wraps up this week's podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Skillsbase app, which is a solutions provider for companies looking for mobile-first engagement and blended learning tools. To find out more information on what they can do, visit skillsbase.ie. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show and get in contact with us on all social platforms. I will be back again next week with a brand new episode.